guys take a seat, please? I'm going to do something that um, we, we did this last week, and um, I, we're going to continue with this for a while. Um, I'm going to have prayer, especially for those of you who are going through a very difficult time or you're in need of healing or there's something that's just got you really torqued right now in your life. And um, I do believe with all of my heart that as we come together and we pray, God answers prayers and, and uh, he heals and he begins to put us on courses of righteousness and he knows us. He knows what needs to be done. And so here in the, in the building, if you are one of those people who need God to move in a specific area of your life, um, I want to pray for you. So I would like for you to stand, and I want you to understand that I'm standing today. Um, for those of you watching online, I know this might seem a little awkward, but I would love for you to stand for just a moment so that we can pray for you. So let's, those of you that want to stand right now, and I just want to pray for you. Father, I do not know what's going on in the lives of the people who are standing. I know what's going on in my life, and that's about it. Um, you are all-knowing. Your word teaches us that you see everything. You know everything. You feel every pain. You see every tear. You sense every anxiety that we hold. You know every lost direction. You see it all. You feel it all. Today we ask you to do what you always do. Lord Jesus, be the mediator. Present us to our Father God right now. Lord, where there is a need for healing, I pray that you would heal. Just by the power of your spirit, oh Lord. Where there's fear, I pray that you would bring love and peace. Where there's depression, I pray that you would bring joy and hope. God, where there's a lack of direction, I just pray that your presence would be so much with those who need direction that they may not see where you're taking them, but they know that you're leading. Father, for those who are in the midst of huge decisions or tough situations. I pray that first and foremost, we would seek you for the answers and that we would know confidently that you are taking care of this situation. We are not without a savior. We are not without help. We are not alone. We are filled with you. Father, as we glance around at our challenges, our problems, our fears, our stress, 
I pray that that glance would be momentary, that we would look to you because of who you are and what you do and what you've always done. Lord, we just sang about your faithfulness. You've never left us. You've never left us alone. Never. Even when we didn't know you, even when we failed you, even when we messed up our lives, you you were always there. You've always been there and you are here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, um, I won't belabor this point, but for the last 10 months, 11 months almost now, uh, after the church shut down, I've been totally convinced that God's in the middle of everything. And um, and I believe he's in the middle of our church and where we're headed. And uh, this last 21 days, yesterday ended 21 days of prayer and fasting. And what, a, what an incredible time we've had and amazing opportunity just to seek God. And I am so confident in what, I, what little I do know and the things I don't know, I'm extremely confident in because God's leading and God's doing some things. And one of the things that we've recognized uh, in an incredible way and, 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 and that we have great need of and that we've missed so much during COVID is being together and growing together. And I know that we are still in a restricted environment and may be like that for some time, but that doesn't stop us from being together. God has given us some amazing technology that helps us be together. No, we don't get to, you know, hug everybody and, and kiss everybody. I kind of hated that part anyway before. But, but we can still be together in spirit and on Zoom. And, you know, it's just, it, it can be amazing. And there's a huge need for it. And we can grow together. So we are taking our entire church on a journey, small group journey, with Alpha. And Alpha is an amazing ministry that came out of the UK. Uh, Nikki Gimble, or Gumble, uh, Gimble, Gumble? Nikki. We're just going with Nikki today. Anyway, um, Gumble. And uh, it's an um, amazing foundation for our faith. It's an amazing opportunity for us to reach others for Christ. So we're going to look at a video that talks about this and then... If you haven't signed up yet for a Zoom group, we, we've got a lot of groups going online and in person. You get to choose what you want to do. Um, as I told you, Pam and I have signed up for one. We're not leading it. We're in it. And we just want to be part of what God's doing and learn together. So uh, take a look at this, and then I'll be back in just a second to talk about it. I grew up in Long Beach, California, and I grew up in a pretty conservative, sheltered Christian home. And... Over time, I just kind of started resenting my parents for all the things I felt like I couldn't do, even though I think they were probably trying to protect me. I first started acting out just by lying, and lying just really escalated and just kind of got progressively worse and got into deeper and darker things as I got older. 
probably around age 25, I realized that it was just going too far. I was losing control. Um, I started coming back to the church because there was a girl that started going that I was interested in, so I was following her. I just got to the point where I needed something more, I needed community, and I told God that I would sign up for the next thing that came up, and it was Alpha. I honestly didn't expect much. The hardest part for me was just showing up the first night. There was just something inside of me that was like, don't go, but I knew I had to. Alpha ended up becoming the place where I could just be me and um, it was just a place where I could kind of like air out all my questions and all my dirty laundry and nobody looked at me any differently. It became a community of friends. We have the same group every week and you just start to bond. And I started realizing that the way the people were treating me and the way that I think God looked at me was just love no matter what I thought, no matter what I said, no matter what I did and that just changed me. I was a different person from that moment on. And I knew I had purpose. So here's the deal. You can go to our website or you can get it, go to the app and sign up for a group. It's a uh, we, like I said, we have a lot of groups. If you're new to Destiny, I know some of you are. Uh, even those of you joining online, some of you have joined our church from even a great distance. You get to be part of this. I would highly encourage you to figure out how to get into a group. Get some friends and come to one of our groups and, and get to know some people, uh, whether it's online or in person. I think it would be an amazing experience for all of us, actually. Hey, this past week, um, every morning at 6 a.m., we've met for prayer, and uh, just a couple mornings ago, um, I, uh, it could have been, I don't know what day it was, I'm losing track of days now, it was early, whatever time it was, and um, Robert Spradley, uh, a former pastor here with us, um, a dear friend, uh, just a guy who, who um, man, he, he's, a, he's a God man. And he shared just a five-minute devotional that I want to share uh, with you right now. I believe that this message is so timely and is part of what God wants to say to our church. And so um, I didn't have to ask Robert because we had it on video. So we're just going to show it again today. And I want you to take a look at this. Well, good morning, Destiny Church. And... Uh I'm so proud of you. My name is Rob Spradley from Lake City Church in Mooresville, North Carolina. I'm proud of you because you've accepted the challenge for this 21-day fast, and um, God is going to do incredible things through your fasting and through your prayers. I just want to say at the outset that uh, I know many of you, and it's so good to see what God is doing. I'm so proud of the work that God is doing in you and through you. I've known Pastor Greg and uh, all of the leaders for many years, and uh, you guys are doing a great, great job there. Well, what's been on my heart as we enter this brand new year is that, and with all the chaos and all the craziness that we're seeing in, in our world today, I believe that there is a sifting of the church. There's a sifting of people 
who call themselves Christ followers. In fact, I believe that God is really raising up out of this sifting process, he's raising up a remnant of people that will accelerate the work of God in this time. When you look through history, especially as you study scriptures, you'll find that God always works through minorities. He always works through, uh, through a remnant of people who are totally and completely devoted to Jesus Christ. And those are the people that God uses in an extraordinary way. In fact, they are people who are powerful with God and powerful for God. And I was thinking about the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, verse number 18, when he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So that's power. And, and watch the next part. It says, again, I tell you that if two of you, that's a minority, that, that's a remnant of people, if just two of you agree about anything you ask for in prayer, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three, that's the remnant, a small group of people. When you come together, just two or three of you, you come together in my name, there I am with you. Now, this is the, the most important part of this whole passage in my thinking. He says, if you'll come together, two or three of you, this remnant comes together. He says, there am I with you. In other words, God says, I'll show up. And so the power of the minority is that when we come together and pray and we fast and we seek God, that God says, I'm going to show up. It's God with us. And during this time, this season of prayer and fasting, as you pray, whatever your prayer needs are, is praying for your personal needs, praying for your family needs, praying for your church needs, and praying for our nation and all of these things, we know that God is with us. And, and as we pray, as we bind and loose, as, as we just agree together in the name of Jesus, God is going to do mighty things, and he's going to receive all the praise, the honor, and glory. I, I, let me pray with you right now as you begin this day. Father, thank you for my friends at Destiny Church. May you give them power and strength through the Holy Spirit. May, they, may their faith just rise up within them today. And may you give them fresh word, fresh revelation. And we thank you for it in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Make it a great day. Yes. Awesome. I love that guy. He, he's always got something incredible to share. Hey, I'm going to take just a personal moment. I just got a text. Um, my grandkids um, see me on TV. They think I am something really special. And um, so I just want to give a shout out to Juna and Jude and Eden and Soren and Brooklyn and Millian. And am I forgetting anybody? One, two, three, four, five. And now I got them all. And uh, love you guys. Pappy is awesome. And you're awesome. <laughs> all right. Done. Um, <clears throat> hey, uh, I am going through the numbers to see if I forgot anybody. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I want to introduce somebody that you probably already know and love. Um, Jeffrey Goodman and, and Kimberly and Elon are just amazing people. Uh, Jeffrey is pastor of City Hills Church uh, just down the road in Ashburn, and we have spent a ton of time together. Uh, we meet once a week, Jeffrey and I do, just to, uh, just to you know, talk about where we are and what's going on in the world and in the church. And, and um, I've always uh, felt that Jeffrey has just a real prophetic gift of ministry, and uh, it's powerful. And so um, he, he 
City Hills and, and Destiny did 21 days of prayer fasting together. And so Jeffrey one day was speaking. He did one of these five-minute things like Rob just did. And, um, man, it was a passage that I've heard many, many times. And, and, but in five minutes, I filled up an entire sheet of notepaper with the things that he was saying. It was just, just a, an incredible moment for me personally. And um, so I'm like, hey, Jeffrey, you got to go do this again. Um, and, and don't get too excited. It is going to be longer than five minutes this time. But um, I think you're going to love what you hear in just a moment. So would you give it up for Jeffrey Goodman? Well, good morning, Destiny Church. How you doing today? It's good to be with you. And I have, I did make a mental note when he made that joke about longer than five minutes. Nobody laughed. Um, so I promise I won't be too long here this morning, but I do want to, before I get going, say what an honor it is to be here with you this morning, and thank you to uh, Greg and to Pam for your just amazing kindness to my family, and um, as, as Greg said, we uh, planted a church called City Hills in Ashburn, Five years ago, um, we actually just two days ago is our sixth year anniversary of moving here. Um, I am from Louisiana. If you haven't picked up that I've got a little bit of a draw on my accent. Um, but we actually moved here from Detroit area. My wife is from there. We had been living there five years and just felt God compelled us to come to this area. Didn't really know why because we didn't know anybody here. We weren't from here, had no connection here, just felt in prayer that God had called us, and we answered it. And so January 22nd of 2015, we rolled in here. My little girl was one years old, and that was it. That was City Hills Church, the three of us. And we just started praying and doing what we knew to do, and we launched officially the church October of that year, and God has just been amazing in these last five years to see what he's done and the people that he's brought into our life. And one of those people... Um, is Greg and, and Pam. And uh, you probably don't know this, but for the last, I think, at least three years, Greg has served as an overseer, a spiritual overseer for our church. And as he said, we've spent a lot of time together. Most of that time is him setting me straight, correcting me, giving me wisdom, trying to help me navigate the realities of Northern Virginia. This Franklin Parish, Louisiana boy, takes a lot of adjusting in this area for me. And um, he has been such a source of personal strength and encouragement for myself and for Kimberly. Um, and uh, I just can't thank him enough for what he means to our family um, and to our church. And so thank you so much. It's an honor um, for us to be here. I'm glad to have my wife and my little girl here, um, Kimberly and Elon. She is now, she's not one anymore. She's one we moved here. She's now seven and played her first basketball game last night. Yeah. First practice, and then they went right into their first game. And I'm happy to say she started and she scored a bucket and they won. So it was a good night for us last night. And I was super proud of her. Um, and uh, it's just good. And, and also, I brought, so I, I brought my own amen corner with me this morning. If you don't amen me up here, I brought my own. Thank you very much. 
some of our closest, dearest friends in the world and part of our church for since the early days, Anoop and Priya Kumar and little Neum. Thank you so much for being here. We love y'all. It's good to see you. All right, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to get into it. And um, I want to bring your attention. I'm going to be reading from Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 14. And before I read it, I want to set it up for us here just very briefly. If you've been around a church very much um, for any length of time, you have probably, you may not have known it was in Isaiah 43, but I'm sure you've probably heard this scripture, especially this time of year, because we're January, we're going into a brand new year, and this topic, this scripture tends to pop up in churches and Christian circles um, at the beginning of a brand new year. It's something that I always kind of revisit personally. I don't necessarily preach from it at the beginning of every year. Um, I like to give the church a little bit of a break and say some new stuff every now and then, actually, and so I don't necessarily preach from it. Uh, but this year, as we were coming into 2021, I really felt led of God to the scripture, and God spoke a lot to me personally through this. And for the last month, I've been talking to City Hills from this scripture. And so I'm going to take what I've been talking about for like five weeks to them and try to condense it in about 25 minutes for us. Is that all right, everybody? Uh, miracles do still happen, so we'll make sure that happens today. Um, but Isaiah 43. Um, this is a prophet of God in the Old Testament, and he is going to be speaking on behalf of God to God's people, um, Israel. And he speaks in a very particular time, a very interesting time in their um, history, because they have now, at this point, been in bondage and under the servitude of a foreign nation, uh, the nation of Babylon. They have been in that condition for 70 years, seven decades. Now, I know that it's been said over and over a bajillion times uh, in the last year. We personally, I have never, most of us in this room has never lived through a year like 2020. Can I get an amen, somebody? I mean, it's been rough, hasn't it, y'all? 2020 has been a bit of a challenge for all of us on some level. I know Many of us, we experience the challenges at different levels. Uh, this last year has impacted us um, in different ways. Not all of us have been impacted the same way. But it goes without saying that all of us in some way has been impacted. And it's been a year. We've been on a ride for the last 11, 12 months. That goes without saying. But as challenging as the last year has been, and as anxious as we all have been to get into 2021, can I get an amen, somebody? But we got here and realized there wasn't much difference. <laughs> um, but as anxious as we were to, to turn the calendar um, and get out of that last year, can you imagine the last year for us? These people have had 70 of those years. It's been seven decades for the Israelites, living in a strange land, an occupied land, they lost their identity as a people. They were now under the rule of a very heavy-fisted Babylonian empire that told them what they could do, when they could do it, would not let them practice all of their customs that they were used to. They didn't have their king. They had lost their identity as a people. For 70 years, this is what was going on. 
an entire generation without tasting freedom, without having their identity, without having life as normal. And we've been all talking about getting back to normal. But after seven decades, God sends a word through his prophet Isaiah, and this is what happens. This is what he says in verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes... I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. Notice he identifies himself here at the beginning as not just the king, but also a creator. And that's going to be important as we move forward. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt. With all its chariots and horses, I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. I'm going to stop right there and tell you what God is doing here is he is reminding Israel of things that he's done for them in their past. He takes a moment, he's about to give them a promise, but he takes a moment before he does that And he tells Israel, I want you to remember what I've done for your ancestors. And he references a time that can be read about in the Bible's second book, the book of Exodus, when Israel had been in bondage in Egypt for not seven decades, but for four centuries. For 400 years, they had been living without identity under the heavy hand of the Egyptian empire, had been slaves to them. And for generation after generation, they had cried out to God for deliverance. And finally, God sends a guy by the name of Moses. If you're familiar with that story, you know how Moses was called by God, one of the towering figures in all of Scripture, to go in and lead God's people out of four centuries of bondage. And God reminds them, hey, I did that for your ancestors. I split and parted the Red Sea. For them, so that they could march across on dry land. And then, as Pharaoh's army and chariots pursued after them, when they got to the Red Sea, I swallowed them up. I worked miracles. I did whatever had to be done to get your ancestors to the freedom that I had promised and purposed for them. Don't ever forget what I've done in your past. And I want to stop right here. And tell all of us, I don't know what kind of 2020 you've had. I don't know what your life's been the last year. But I want to encourage us here in January, the first month of this first year, to look at what God's done that has been good in your past. Now, some of us may have to jump over 2020 and get back to 2019. And some of us may have to get even back further than that. God was reminding them something of he did for them centuries before that their eyes never even saw, that their ancestors saw. But God said, I want you to understand that I'm good and I've done good things in the past. And I want to remind all of us that we may be facing challenges here today and I don't know what you pressure that you walked in here with. No doubt there's all of us in here has got some type of pressure on our life. But I want to encourage you to look back at some point and some period in your life and see the fingerprints of God and understand and know that God has been good to you. 
I don't know how far you may go, have to go back, but I know one thing that we all in this place have a testimony that God's done something good in our life. Here at the beginning of 2021, if you're just sitting here with your health, breathing air, or you're watching online with your health and you're breathing air, I think we all can say thank God for that. Because there's many people this last year that's gone through all kinds of stuff. God's been good, y'all. Can I get an amen? God's been good. And why is it important for us to remember that God is good? Why is it important for God, before he gives a promise, for them to remember that he's done stuff in the past? I believe it's because God wants them to understand, as they say where I grew up in Louisiana, I got corn in the crib. In other words, I've got some stuff in my past that I've already done that can back up what I'm about to tell you. I'm not just shooting off some vague promise that you don't know if I can back it up or not. I want you to understand, before I give you this promise, I can do what I say I can do. And so God reminds them of that. And then he says this. It's a strange little sentence to follow all that up with. He says, but forget all of that. So remember it. But now I want you to forget it. Is God schizophrenic? What's going on here? No, no, it's not that. I believe it's God saying, I want you to remember what I've done because I want you to know that I've got the clout. I want you to know that I have the power and the ability to back up what I'm about to tell you. But then I want you to forget it. Why? Because it's nothing, he says, compared to what I am going to do. As good as I've been in the past, and as miraculous of works that I've brought into your history to get you to where you are now, all the stuff I had to do, the, sea, the Red Seas that I had to part, the armies that I swallowed up in it, the manna that I sent the, 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 when, you, when you didn't have anything to eat, the water that flowed from rocks in the desert that gave you something to drink, all of that stuff, as great as it was, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make the rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. He said, you've gone through seven decades that's been dry, that's been barren. You've been in servitude. You've lost hope. You've lost identity. But guess what I'm going to do for you? You're my people, and I'm about to come and do something new that is going to refresh you. I'm about to do something new that's going to restore to you the identity that you've lost. I'm about to do something for you that's not only going to be experienced by you, but the world around you will see it, it will witness it, and they will know Know that you are my people and I am your God and that no amount of human effort or ingenuity could ever do it. It is me and me alone that's working on your behalf. God says to his people, 
I know it's been a rough 70 years, but I'm going to do something. And I want to come and bring this message to Destiny Church here this morning. I want to bring it to you individually, no matter what you've been facing in your own personal life. I want to bring it to you for your family, for your career. I want to bring it to you for every aspect of your life. But I also want to bring this message to this church collectively. Because I want you to tell, I want to tell you and declare to you what God declared to those people in, in, in Babylon on that day through his prophet Isaiah that God is about to do something new. God is in the new business. I love the fact that he reminds them, I am your creator and king. Why would God remind them that he is a creator? Because he wants them to understand that a creator, it's, a creator is different than any other type of, of being. A creator doesn't need anything to make something. God is not a fixer. He is not a repair mechanic. He doesn't need a few things to go right and to be working in order to take that and then restructure some stuff and make something good out of it. God reminds his people that I don't need anything going in your favor to do for you what I'm going to do for you. Because he knows the tendency of we humans, we want to look at our life and we want to look at our situation. We want to look at what we have to work with and we think I've got to at least have something going for me. I've got to have at least a few positive things in my life in order to work with to create a better future for me. But God is saying I can step in after seven decades of you being servants and slaves in Babylon, and I can make you brand new. I don't need anything. I am the God that, 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 that the writer of Genesis spoke of at creation that he said, in the beginning the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord moved and God said, let there be light and there was light. He was calling to their remembrance a time when he stepped out into nothing, into darkness and he said, I didn't need anything to work with. I stepped into darkness and I simply said, let there be light. And it did not matter how long the darkness had been there. It didn't matter how thick it was. It didn't matter how intimidating it may be. God said, when I said, let it be, the darkness had to flee and light came. I'm a creator. I don't need anything to work with. When I got ready to fashion humanity, I took the dust of the earth and I put it together and I breathed in it and it became a living soul. I want to remind somebody here this morning that you've walked in this place and you're sitting here and you may have had the roughest year of your life and you may have lost your job. You may have had relational problems and family problems. You may be facing things in your health that you never thought you would ever face and you walk in here and we're depleted and we're tired and we're worn out and we're frustrated and we don't think that we have a future in front of us. We think all the good things are behind us. I want to come and declare the word of God to you and tell you that God is going to do something new and that what is in front of you is better than what is behind you. 
God said, I'm getting ready to do something new. I know I've been good in the past, but what I'm about to do, has it can't even compare. It doesn't even compare. I want you to forget about that right there because what's in front of you is better. I want to tell somebody that your future is better than your past. Your future is better than your present. And God's best for you and God's best for this church and God's best for his people is in front of us. Not behind us. God's best for you. God's best for your family. God's best for this church. The best days are in front of us. I don't care how much destruction we've walked through in 2020. I don't care how much of pain that we may be carrying with us today. I don't care how different church looks and how different the world looks around us and how different culture looks. Can I tell you, I believe to my very core, I believe that God is at work in the middle of all of it. He didn't cause any of it. He didn't cause COVID. He didn't cause all the, the devastation that's been a result of it. But I do believe to the fiber of my being that in the middle of it, God has stepped in and said I am a creator and I can take the things that have destroyed and I can take the things that have brought pain and I can make all things new and I can do something with it and in it if people will let me that will be better than what's been in their past see I don't come here today I don't come here holding my head down low I don't come here saying things like oh we'll never be the same and, and, and we've seen our best days I don't believe that one bit I come in this place with my head held high with my head held high believing and knowing that our best days are in front of us I want somebody to know come on I, I In case you haven't realized, I've got Pentecost in my past. Some of you may not know what that is. It just means I get a little bit more excited in church sometimes than the average Joe, okay? But I feel this to my bones. I refuse to think the church's best days are behind us. I refuse to think that my best days are behind me. But I believe that I serve a God that is ready to do something new. I think the worst thing we could do as a people and the worst thing we could do as a church, and you've more than likely heard your pastor tell you this, is just to go back to the way we were doing stuff. If you fixed your heart on just getting back to the way things were before all this happened, you will miss what God is doing. Just like he told Israel through the prophet Isaiah, he said, I want you to remember it because I want you to understand and know that I have the power and the ability to do it. But then I want you to forget it because what I've got in front of you is completely different than what's behind you. Doesn't mean that it was bad. Doesn't mean that it was horrible. It just means I used that to bring you to this point so that I can now take you to another place to fulfill 
fulfill my ultimate purpose. And I believe that this is the brightest hour and the brightest future that the church has ever seen. I believe that we're about to get into a place as a church and the people of God where we can step into the darkness. And the darker the night, the brighter the light is, everybody. And the church was made for this moment. And if we just go back to the way things were, we'll miss what God is doing. But I don't I don't know about you, but I'm stepping up and saying, God, whatever it is you want to do, I want to be in the middle of it, and I want to see what you are up to in my generation. God even says to them, I'm doing something new. I've already begun it. Can you not see it? And there's our problem. God is speaking to them 70 years into bondage. Everything they see with their natural eye says that this year will be no different than the last 70. Everything that they're experiencing with their five senses, their sight, the sounds that they're hearing, their taste, the Babylonian food still tastes the same. Their touch, everything around them says that this will be no different than the last 70 years. But God says, wait a minute. Not I am just going to do something new in your future. Actually, I've already begun it. You just haven't seen it. And my prayer for my own life, my prayer for City Hills this last month, my prayer for Destiny Church, my prayer for the global church at large is that God would open our eyes to see that he's already been at work. The last year we've seen churches shut down, we've seen the reality we've had to close buildings and had to completely change the way we do things and the way we travel even, the way we work. All, of, all the things that are normal have become, they've just gone. Everything seems abnormal now. And if we're not careful, we can look at the stuff. We can look at the challenges. We can look at the, at the way things are now and we can lament and we can cry like those Children of Israel, 70 years into Babylonian bondage, we can lose faith and hope. But God's tapping them on the shoulder saying, hey, I know what it looks like with your natural eye, but I need you to see with a different set of eyes. I need you to see with a spiritual sight and understand that even though it looks like you're in bondage and even though it doesn't look like I've been at work, I have been at work don't just see the issue. Learn to see God at work behind the issue, working all things for good, bringing us to a moment where he can display his glory and his power. You see, what you and I see or fail to see makes a massive difference in our life. It makes a massive difference. Isn't it funny how... You can take two completely different people and show them the same scenario. 
play out whatever scenario you want in front of them. And then you can ask those two people, hey, what's your perspective on this? And you can get two different perspectives. How people are bent. One person may describe all the tragedy they see in the scenario and the scene like, well, I, you know, this has happened and that's happened and it's just all negative. But then you talk to the same person, saw the same thing play out, heard the same words, and, and, and they say, well, you know, there were some challenges here. But let me show you, there's an opportunity right here. If we do this, if we shift this, if we change this, we can not only just make it better, we can be better. Isn't that funny how two different people can see two, the same thing and come out with two different perspectives? How you see the world affects your own personal life. That's why sometimes I'm a big sports fan. In the middle of a sports season, sometimes if a team isn't living up to expectations, they fire the coach, right? And if you've had the unfortunate experience as a fan of having your team woefully underperform, and I'm from Louisiana, so our sports teams do that quite often, you know what it's like to have your head coach be fired in the middle of a season. But isn't it funny, sometimes they'll bring in like an interim coach and replace him. And it's the same team. And all of a sudden, they begin to win games that nobody expected them to win. Didn't change players. Nothing changed, but a coach that had a different perspective, who saw his players and saw their capabilities from a different perspective, and it completely and totally changed their future and changed their reality. I grew up in the 90s, and if you grew up in the 90s, you probably remember this. You remember those, like, three-dimensional pictures you used to see? Like, they, they were huge in the 90s. They'd be like this picture, and it looked sort of like a kaleidoscope of colors and just all over the place, and if you looked at it, just took a glance at it. It just looked like a bunch of different colors on a page. You remember these? <clears throat> yeah, some of you don't want to admit that you grew up in the 90s, right? Um, <laughs> so you, you're, you're, you're looking at it, and but if you looked at it long enough or from the right perspective, all of a sudden, this three-dimensional image would start popping up off, off that page. Some people were better at it than others. I was horrible at it. I'd look at those things. I'd cross my eyes. You know, you remember that? They'd tell you cross your eyes and then try to uncross them, and it'd kind of help bring it in focus. And some people were better at seeing those images than other people. It was the same image. Everybody saw the same image. But the perspective of the viewer is what made all the difference. If you could see what was going on behind the colors. And that's the way it is with God. With God, there's always more going on than just what's happening at the surface. With God, in your own life personally, in your family, in this church, in our world, there's always more happening than meets the natural eye. And it's always been God's challenge with his people to get them to see and perceive that despite what they may be experiencing with their five senses and what they see around them, that he is in fact at work and he is on 
top of everything. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. And even though you may be in Babylon, Israel, and Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne in Babylon, he reminds them, I am creator and king. I've never relinquished my throne. I've never ceded my power to anyone or anything. And I am at work moving on your behalf. And I am going to do something new. And if you keep reading that story and you study the history of Israel, in fact, after 70 years, God did send deliverance and he brought his people into a new place and he gave them their identity back and he gave them their freedom and he worked on their behalf. Can I encourage somebody here today that God is at work in your life? You may not have perceived it with your natural eye. Everything that's happened this last year in your finances or in your family, in your own life, in your health, may have said God's checked out somewhere on vacation. But I want to encourage you, he's never got off the throne. Still reigning king of kings and lord of lords. And he has the power and the ability to step in and work something new in your life and in this church. Can you see it is the question. What will you choose to see? Will you choose to see Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon as king, or will you choose to see God as king? Will you choose to see the destruction and the fear and the anxiety and the doubt that surrounds you right now, or will you choose to see the goodness of God at work and the power and the presence of God that says, I am a very present help in the time of trouble, and God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and I can work all things together, according to Paul in Romans 8, for good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. Can you see it? It makes a difference. It makes a difference in how you walk in your life. It makes a difference in how you pray. It makes a difference in how you talk. It makes a difference in your experience. It makes a difference in your faith. Can you see it? I got lots of stuff to preach. Five weeks worth. But I'm going to stop. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. I'm going to stop with 2 Kings. Chapter number 6. Here's another prophet of God. At another time in Israel's history. And it was a time when a particular enemy of Israel was trying to defeat them, called the Arameans, and they were desperately trying to figure out and posture and position themselves in a way that, that they, could, they could ambush Israel and they could take them over and bring them into servitude. But there was a prophet by the name of Elisha in Israel whom God spoke to, and the Bible says that God would speak to Elisha the plans of the king of Aram. And then he would go tell the king of Israel and they would be able to, to avoid the king of Aram's ambush attack on them. And 
As you might imagine, this made the king of Aram extremely frustrated and angry to the point where he thought that there was a spy in his own war cabinet. And he called them all together. He was mad. He's like, we're going to find the spy and we're going to take care of you right now. And after they did their research and interrogated everyone, he realized there's no spy in the cabinet. And finally somebody came and said, hey, king, what's going on is Israel has a prophet of God, and God speaks to him, and he's been telling the king of Israel everything that we're about to do. And so the king of Aram says, well, the plan is let's go take the prophet out. Now, I love the fact in the the Old Testament, prophets, another name they used for prophets was called seer. They had the ability to see. Things that other people could not and did not see. And isn't it funny when the enemy wants to defeat us and the enemy wants to take our hope, he always goes after those that can see. Scripture says where there is no vision, people perish. This is how important it is for you to be able to see God at work in your life even when It doesn't feel like it. Because even the adversary of our souls knows if I can take your ability to see, I can take your faith. And so this is what they do. They find out that Elisha's in Dothan, and I'm hurrying. I got to hurry. I just got way too much. But I got to give you this. He finds out where Elisha is staying in a city called Dothan, and the enemy gets his chariots, his horses, his army, and they go surround that city and they're about to take the seer out because they know if they get him, they've got Israel. And watch what happens. The report came back in verse 13. Elisha's at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early, the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what do we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So it's early in the morning. Elisha's servant gets up, goes outside for a morning stretch, probably a big yawn, and right in the middle of his big yawn and stretch, He looks up, and on the horizon, he sees the king of Aram's army that has completely got them surrounded. And he did what any one of us would do. He freaked out. He knew they had been had. And he goes and he finds the seer, the prophet. He says, what are we going to do now? We're surrounded by the enemy and the adversary. They've got us. There's no escape route. There's no way we can get out of Dothan. There's no hope. What do we do now? And watch what the seer says. Don't be afraid. Can I tell somebody in 2021, don't be afraid. I know it's easy to be afraid. I know it's easy to fear the future and all the the craziness that's going on around us and in our world. Don't be afraid. For there are more on our side. Men on theirs.
There's more for us. He says to this nameless servant, than there is against us. I know it feels like the world stacked up against us. I know it feels like we're surrounded on every side. I know it feels like we're without hope. But he says, I don't want you to be afraid. And don't you ever forget, there are more for us than there are against us. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. And then watch what Elisha says. He prays. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And if you continue reading in that passage, you'll find that God had sent an angelic army in chariots of fire that had completely and totally surrounded the armies of Aram. And there, in fact, was more for them than there was against them. And God gave them victory that day. Two against an army. But when God is in the middle, He doesn't need favorable odds. He doesn't need good circumstances to work with. God says, when I'm here, there's always more for us than there is against us. And God said, I've got the thing surrounded that has surrounded you. Please hear me in this closing moment of this Sunday morning as I tell somebody that this could alter your life if I could just get you to see that there is more for you than there is against you. whatever you feel like has surrounded you and cornered you in your life God said I want you to see that I've surrounded it and I am in control and I've preached these last 35 minutes to get to these five words because I think it is the key everything that I'm talking about because it moved this servant from seeing everything that was against him and feeling like there was no hope and he was full of fear and anxiety to all of a sudden he was filled with faith and he experienced victory and it happened when he did five words it's the key to the whole scripture and if we're not careful we just breeze past it and we miss it but watch what he says through that last verse up favorite five words in the whole thing. I could quote it, but I'm going to wait until you can see it. Preach this whole sermon to tell you these five words. That's not it. Give me the verse. Give me the scripture. You got to get this. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, we're in Isaiah. I need, a, I, I, I need to go to 2 Kings. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Get down to verse 17. Here we are. We're there. All right. You ready? 
There's five words in here that will change your life if you'll let them. And it's what the servant did. Third line from the bottom. Six words. When he looked up, he saw. When he looked up, he saw. If we as a people of God could learn to lift our vision from the horizontal and every problem and situation that surrounds us that we can see with our natural eye, I hear the Father saying to you and to me, to City Hills, to Destiny Church, look up. I know what's going on around you right now. I know what you see and I know what the news says and I know what Fox News and CNN and Twitter and Facebook and all of those things say, but look up. And if you can look up, you will see that there is more for you than there is against you and that I have surrounded the very thing that has struck fear and anxiety in your heart and if you will trust me I will bring you through and I won't just bring you through but I will bring you through better I will bring you through into a new I will bring you through into a future that's greater than your past but you have to look up. So you and I have a choice. Are we going to stay here? Are we going to stay locked in to Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and ABC and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the pundits and all the critics and all of the naysayers? Is that where we're going to stay locked in on all the horizontal things that are around us? Or will we make a decision as the people of God? I'm going to lift my vision. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look above all of this mess and chaos and uncertainty and fear. I'm going to look up and I'm going to see a God that is seated on the throne who is a creator who says that there's more going for us than is against us and he's been at work this whole time if I could just open my eyes and see it then I can walk in to it and experience it and live in the reality of it can you stand with me all over this house this morning I didn't get it done in 25 minutes but I got it done in about 40 but that's five weeks worth of preaching, okay? Give me a break. Can you bow your head with me all over this place? God, help us to see. I pray right now for every man, every woman that's in this room or that's watching online that's been facing hell on earth in their lives, in their families, in their careers. I pray, God, for people that has felt like they have been surrounded by the adversary and circumstances, and they've looked, but they haven't seen any way out. They've looked all around. They've looked for options in the stock market, and they've looked for options in other career moves, and they've looked for options in other relationships, but everywhere they look, they don't see an escape hatch. They can't see hope. I pray that today they would stop looking around, and they would look up. 
I pray that they would get their eyes fixed on you today. I pray, God, that our faith would rise up in us and we would open our life to give you access and help us to understand that you are at work and that our future is better than our past if we will just open our hearts and receive it in Jesus' name. Come on, they're going to lead us in worship right now. I'm going to invite them to begin to sing and begin to lead us in worship. And as they do, I want you to take this closing moment in this service right where you are. You can close your eyes, do whatever you feel like doing. If you want to lift your hands, I wonder how many would just lift your hands to a God that you believe is on top of anything that you're facing in your life. And you would begin to ask God to open your eyes and let you see His goodness and let you see what He is doing in you and through you and for you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's do that. Just take a moment with God right here, right now as they lead us in worship. And let's let the power and the presence of God speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Yes, God.